Welcome to episode 72 of the Martin Bailey Photography Podcast. In December 2006, I visited Hokkaido to photograph the Red Crown Cranes. Last week, we started a series of travelogue-style episodes in which you can join me on my photographic adventures and share my experiences while viewing some of the shots in iTunes or on my website. Also, in last week's episode, I did a mini-review and comparison of the Canon EOS 1DS Mark II camera, uh, which I'd rented for the trip. We pick up the trail uh, halfway through the second day. I'll try and talk a little about why I took two cameras and we'll finish uh, by taking a look at some of my first uh, panning shots, uh, one of the three types of shots that I'd been hoping to capture on this visit. Before we go on to the main topic today, a note that the Martin Bailey Photography Podcast is currently being sponsored by top camera bag manufacturer Lowepro, over 40 years of first in camera bags. If you didn't hear the review of the bags that I use and the details of the Stealth Reporter D650AW camera bag that you can win in the photography assignment, please listen to episode 70 of this podcast. There's still plenty of time to scoop this amazing prize, and thanks again to Lowepro for your support. So, I was still at the Ito Crane Sanctuary in a small town called Tsurui in Hokkaido. It was now 11.50 on the 28th of December 2006. Let's get right into looking at one of the images I shot at this point in time with photo number 1210. The fence at the edge of the sanctuary enclosure uh, runs up a hill, uh, so as long as spaces are available to stand, you can choose the angle at which you'll look across the hill uh, that expands to the right as you view the open plain of the sanctuary surrounded by trees and mountains. I decided when I first got there that I would position myself at three different levels, one for each of the three days that I'd be there, and on the first day I stood almost at the bottom of the hill so that I looked across the higher ground this uh, meant really that as as you can see in this first shot when the birds were in a slight dip their feet might not be visible as they are often when they're it's in grass anyway uh, but uh, at other points they'd be standing horizontal to my line of sight in case i forget to mention this as we progress i'll just say that on the second day uh, i moved halfway up the hill and on the third day I move uh, to almost to the top of the hill. So my shots from all three days are from slightly different heights. Of course when shooting with the 100-400mm lens on my 5D I was able to move around freely up and down the hill uh, but with the 600mm f4 on a tripod with a wimbly head the tripod has to be level before you start shooting and that makes um, it difficult to sort of just get up and move. It takes a few minutes to tweak into position. So I tend to choose my spot and stay put for a while. I have a little spirit level on the top of my tripod and that helps me with the leveling by the way. If you don't do this and just sort of level the camera itself by say rotating the lens, um, it, you know, it's only level when you're looking at that particular point, uh, that particular direction. 
as you pan to the right or the left, if the tripod isn't level, then the camera rotates and all of your uh, horizons go wonky. Anyway, one uh, from this position, uh, although I lost the feet on some birds, I, uh, you know, it did give me a nice low vantage point to shoot up slightly at the cranes. This particular shot was uh, shot at one five hundredth of a second at f five point six ISO one hundred. I like the pose of the crane with the wings spread and the sunlight um, shining through the wings. Also, the way the wind is sort of blowing from behind the crane is ruffling the feathers on the right wing there, uh, or you know that's the left if, as we view the shot, and the head cocked down you know as the bird sort of struts around. In the next image, number 1211, we can see four more cranes strutting around the sanctuary, honking in unison. It's this sort of moment in which I was able to record the cries of these uh, magnificent birds uh, that, we, that sort of played us in a little while ago. Um, I'm happy with this shot uh, to an extent, as the four heads were all nicely balanced, spread pretty equally across the top third of the frame. Uh, I've also, I also have a shot... Uh, in which the tails of the birds to the left are more visible, which uh, I thought about using uh, for that reason, but then the balance of the head was lost, so I decided to go with this version. It still lacks a little something for me, though, not one of my favourites, uh, but I thought I'd include uh, it here in today's podcast too to show how these guys sort of group together and state their place in the scheme of things. I mentioned this in uh, episode 25, but now that I have a re uh, recording to listen to as well, I thought I'd bring it up again. Uh, listen to the sound of the cranes again, and you should be able to tell uh, that one type of honk is uh, long, and the other, uh, almost in unison, uh, is to like two short honks. And this is uh, one way to tell the difference between the male and the female cranes. It's the male that cries with one long honk, and then the female follows with the two short ones, just a, a short while after. Uh, it's it's almost at the same time, you know. They're overlapping, but the you know the the female is definitely there after with the two short honks. There's no rule, by the way, with regards to which of the sexes actually starts the honking. Um, it apparently it's around fifty-fifty. So let's listen again to that uh, that little bit of uh, recording that I've played us in with and just to sort of you know let give you a chance to see or hear which uh, you know which is which it's not very difficult at all to pick it out remember i uh, recorded this on my cell phone though and the sound of the wind gets in there a little at times so it's not great but you should uh, be able to get the feeling Actually, I have another uh, recording as well, uh, and this time, let's listen to one more. And I, I'm, I'm trying not to be too much of a of a complete birder here, but um, the not that there's anything wrong with birders. I'm, I think I'm pretty much classed as one myself now. Uh, but I, I've got one more. Uh, I'll play this. This is probably more like the sort of sound that you would hear alongside the photograph that we're currently looking at, because there's four birds crying in this one. There's two males and two females. And it's a little bit more difficult to pick out. That's why I chose the the last one uh, to to make the point. But just for the you know for the sake of completeness, let's listen to four birds uh, all sort of singing together in unison.
you can hear in that one how they sort of you know one pair sort of loses interest and stops uh, honking and then the others just sort of fade out and decide to stop I, I caught that one right to the end so a little bit of a better recording but uh, this is a photography podcast so let's get on with uh, the photography side so let's look at image number one two one three now Again, shot at 600mm with a shutter speed of 1 500th of a second with an aperture of 5.6 and ISO 100. In this shot we can see a crane drinking. The melting snow was forming pools in the grass which the crane scooped uh, up every so often for a drink. I caught this one doing so and I really like the pose. Uh, you know, the Again, the wind is ruffling the wings there a little for more texture in the body, and there's a nice catch light in the crane's eye too. The fast shutter speed helps to freeze the water falling uh, from the crane's, crane's beak, and the wide aperture forced the other crane in the background, um, you know, bef behind the falling water there, forced that out of out of focus. Um, it's just a patch of white there, and I actually quite like that uh, patch of white uh, to at that point in the shot. It just sort of adds a little bit of interest. Um, it probably would have been better without it, but uh, you know I don't think it distracts too much, and it sort of adds a little bit of interest to that falling water there. So it's always great to catch birds doing something other than just standing there. Uh, of course, you know, just standing there does have a place if you think uh, you know if you think about the posi the composition and keep the uh, shot interesting in other ways. I have a few nice shots from this trip where the bird is really just quite small or or just there standing there as part of the landscape, which I think does work on occasion. So I don't know if we'll look at any of these uh, in this series, probably will, um, but if you're interested, there'll be a link uh, to list all of the shots in the show notes uh, to take a look at your own pace. For now though, let's uh, look at a couple of shots, uh, three shots of these birds uh, verifying their bond to each other. The first is number 1215. Here I caught the birds with the wings spread and the necks crossing at exactly the same point with the heads cocked down. The wings themselves are ruffled and uh, looking almost dishevelled but this for me just adds more to look at uh, as I scan around the photo. There's some snow being kicked up by the bird on the left but unfortunately there's another crane quite close in the background uh, so it's not that out of focus and quite annoying. I could probably remove this in Photoshop uh, with a little time, but I really don't like to do that. I'd prefer to just keep going back until I get a similar shot, uh, a similar pose, uh, but without the third bird. In the next photo, just one second later, the birds had moved a little slightly to the right, and so the third, the, the third bird was now a little way away from the main subjects. This is shot number 1216, and you can hopefully appreciate how dynamically these birds are dancing around. Uh, you know, it's just one second, and they're in a totally different pose. Uh, but still, the necks are sort of in, in that arc and leaning towards each other. Just 15 seconds after this, we can see the birds in one last pose in image number 1217. Here we can see how they move around each other in what can only be described as a dance. I don't pretend to be an expert on how these birds think. And, you know, the thing is, if animals are capable of loving and caring in a similar sense to humans, uh, you know, when you see them dancing around like this, uh, you, can, you cannot but help think that they do. And they've been left alone by that pesky third bird now too, so I wish he'd given them a little bit more privacy from the very beginning. 
Let's take a look at image number 1219 next. This was shot at 3.51pm as we ended the second day. The, uh, it's shot actually um, similar to that which I mentioned earlier, uh, where the birds are just sort of standing there as part of the scenery. Uh, but this is not the sort of thing that I was thinking when I said that. That uh, is one bird in a bleak landscape, really. We'll get to that uh, later. Here the birds are adding an accent to a pretty plain panorama. Uh, again, I think uh, you know, adding this uh, today is really uh, more of a documentary shot to show you the surroundings. Um, this, this is the scene as you look to the right at the sanctuary. You can see the tops of, the, of a few buildings in the distance across the field uh, behind the trees there as well, which gives you an idea of how close this place is to sort of everyday human life. As you stand facing this point, actually, there's a road with a few houses behind you too. I'm hoping uh, that that nice little grey house behind the uh, sanctuary there is going to go up for sale in a few years' time. The strange thing about this shot uh, is that, you know, as well as um, it, it, well, it's it's pretty much the same place, the same line of trees uh, that was in the shot uh, with the the golden yellow sky in the second one that we looked at uh, last week. But that was the morning, and this is now the end of the day. And you know, the sun seems to sort of form an arc pretty low in the sky because we're a lot north, further north than Tokyo. Um, it, the, the arc of the sun doesn't get up so high. And although it, uh, you know, it goes down much further to the right from here, its golden light seems to spread across the whole sky, across the, you know, the bottom, through some probably thinner cloud than uh, the rest of the sky, sort of lightning, lighting it up all golden in pretty much the same place that it did in the morning. We can see from this shot that the light was fading. I was now shooting with a shutter speed of one to twenty-fifth uh, of a second at f five point six with ISO four hundred. Now, the time for me to start trying to get my panning shots of the cranes as it got uh, dark was nearing quickly. I find that when shooting birds like this, it helps to get uh, more shots uh, if you have two bodies. The, uh, you know, as I sold my 20D last year to put the money towards my 70-200mm f2.8 lens, I no longer had a second body, and that is the other reason why I'd hired the 1DS Mark II for this trip, apart from uh, the weatherproofing and just wanting to try it out and compare it to the 5D, as I mentioned last week. When you have two bodies, you can switch in an instant from one lens to another just by picking up the camera, the other camera. Uh, if you try to do this, try to you know change focal length by actually changing the lenses, no matter how quickly you can change lenses, you're not going to get at least half the shots, probably you know less than half. Uh, I had the 1DS Mark II on the 600mm f4 lens uh, pretty much the whole time, and I attached the 100mm, 100-400mm lens to the 5D, I found my stone bag that hangs between the legs of my tripod a very good place to sort of drop the 5D down while not shooting with it. And I could grab it uh, back and have it up to my eye in, in probably a, less than a second, probably a second or so, uh, when the need arose very quickly. Um, the main reason that I could do that is because the 600mm lens is actually, uh, I'm using a Wimbley head, 
So it's totally balanced. There's uh, so you know there's no time necessary to sort of set the six hundred millimeter down or anything. Uh, you just let go of it and grab the other lens. So, so it's really is just a case of it's the speed of of moving your hand like I don't know two feet and then back to your eye, and that really just is so, you know so fast to get the other camera. I continue to shoot with uh, both the six hundred millimeter and the one hundred to four hundred millimeter lens as dark set in. But today we're going to finish with two shots, both uh, shot between the well in the the two hundred millimeter range, uh, with the you know the one hundred to four hundred millimeter. In the coming episodes, though, we'll look at images shot as the birds fly overhead, and you know you normally only know that they're coming a split second before they're above you. So you know being able to switch to a wider, uh, preferably zoom lens in an instant is very important for this kind of shooting. Anyway, let's look at image number 1220, the first of the two dark images. I shot this at 1 30th of a second at f5.6, now with ISO 800. So once again, you can appreciate how dark it was getting now, uh, but now this time you can also see this in the image. There's little light coming through the, um, the back of the trees from the patchy snow on the mountains there, but the foreground uh, is now pretty much pitch black. Uh, the cranes were flying across uh, away to their roost now in small groups, uh, well, small groups to very large groups. Um, you know, I think probably there was 40 or so birds flying at any one time in some of the, in some of the shots that I've got on my website. Um, I have so many shots uh, of this sort of exodus there on my website uh, that it was very difficult uh, to choose the ones to talk to you about. Uh, but for this shot, I'd chosen to single out 13 or 14 of the birds. To be honest, I can't count them uh, precisely. as you know, there, There's a lot of birds in the shot, but they're sort of all overlapping and things. But I'd shot, I'd shot these birds as they made their way across the sky away from the sanctuary. I was uh, hand-holding for these shots and I had the image stabilizer on my 100-400mm lens set to mode 2 to help me keep a panning shot as stable as, pos stable as possible. Uh, still, the miss ratio when uh, you're shooting shots like this is pretty high. You, you, know, you, don't, you, you don't get every one of them uh, sharp and far from it. I'm always pleased to see when I'm uh, taking this kind of shots that, you know, some of you know you look at them on the computer later and you find a few heads sharp uh, sharp enough to be able to use the shot and it makes it uh, it makes it you know very much more worthwhile i don't think all of the heads need to be sharp and sometimes in fine art images i don't think you need any of them to be sharp um it gives a, a very abstract feel and if the ab that abstract feeling is pleasing then you know i, th I think that that's fine too uh, but here I was lucky enough to get a few of the heads sharp and, uh, you know, the slow shutter speed recorded plenty of movements in the crane's wings, which I, was what I was really after. In shot number 1223, the last one that we'll look at today, uh, shot slightly slower at 1 25th of a second with the other uh, settings all the same. We can see uh, the movement of the wings forming the pattern that I was really, really hoping to capture in this trip. I'm really pleased with this shot as an abstract-ish uh, fine art image. Yes, it's very dark, uh, but that's what I was after. The white of the birds and the body standing out against uh, the you know the the back black background with the blurred movement of the wings fully captured. 
Although I continued to shoot this type of image over the following day, and uh, you know, I'll uh, continue still uh, with on you know on future trips to continue to sort of improve on this. Uh, but right now, I was uh, I was pretty confident and happy that I'd captured one of the three types of images that I told you about last week that I was hoping to get from this trip. This one uh, was also going to be the easiest. It was always going to be the easiest. The one thing that I needed for this shot was just night time, and uh, that's pretty much an absolute. So it would have been better if it would have been maybe a clear a clear sky with a big moon to light the scene. Uh, that would have given me more light to play with against a black background and sort of illuminate the uh, the birds better. But, you know, there's always next year. So we've looked at a lot of shots today. I don't like to put more than 10 in. I think we're going to be at 9 now. Um, I don't like to put more than 10 in because it sort of it builds the the you know the file size up quite a lot as well. And it, I think it's probably boring just looking at shots too much. So we'll finish soon. But before we do finish for today, I'd like to just talk a little bit about the person behind the name given to this crane sanctuary. Actually called Ito Tancho Sanctuary, uh, not Crane Sanctuary. The Tancho part is the first part of Tancho Zuru, which is uh, you know, often used by the, you know, Tancho on its own is, is often used by the Japanese to describe these tra these cranes. The Zuru uh, or Tsuru is, you know, part of the, that word is basically just the Japanese for crane. What I want to briefly touch on here, though, is the Ito part. Ito, as many of you know, is a Japanese surname. Ito Yoshitaka was born in 1919 and passed away in 2000. He was a cattle farmer here in the area in Hokkaido, and he started to feed a pair, a single pair of cranes, in 1966. In 1987, he made an agreement with the Japan Bird Watching Society to don donate the land uh, for the cranes, at which time he gave, the na gave his name to the Ito Tancho Sanctuary, and became its ranger and researcher. Having spent the best part of his life working with and for these beautiful birds, it was due to his efforts and determination, uh, that, and of course his generosity, that that original single pair has now grown to more than 300 cranes. What an amazing soul. So, a little on the short side, that uh, really does it for this week. I hope that you're enjoying this virtual trip with me to Hokkaido. I'll be back with the third part in a week or so, and we'll, you know, we'll be able to wrap this up in the, the final, for one final episode uh, the week after that. Remember that there's still plenty of time to enter the silence assignment to put yourself in a position to win the Lowepro Stealth Reporter D650 AW camera bag that will be awarded to the entrant with the most votes after the assignment, uh, the, the current assignment and the one after that. Take a look at the assignment forum at martinbaileyphotography.com for more details. Also, I have a quick request before we do finish. Uh, for those of you joining up in the forum, could you please double check your email addresses when signing up as I often see uh, email delivery errors uh, you know, due to misspelled email addresses. 
Remember that you have to click on a link that will be sent to you in an automated email to authenticate your email address when signing up. So without that valid email address, you simply can't complete your registration. I also can't email you because I don't have your correct address. So I would, you know, I'd also like to request that if you don't receive the mail shortly after signing up, take a look in your spam folder. Although my website should uh, be trusted, uh, you know, I've gone to a lot of length to uh, set up the mail server correctly, uh, but there's always going to be times as certain software doesn't like the mail for some reason and it directs it to your spam folder or blocks it and is waiting to be released. So if you've provided a valid email address, the mail will be sent almost immediately. So if you just check for that, that would be great. So it's always great to see you in the forum. Uh, you know, please don't be put off by a two-minute process to get involved. Um, myself and a whole bunch of great photographers are there waiting to meet you. So have a great week, whatever you're doing. Bye-bye. PhotocastNetwork.com, your photography resource in the potosphere. PhotocastNetwork.com